We were children of the Silicon Revolution, an X-generation conscripted to fight the console and home computer wars. A product of an analog 70s childhood, we came of digital age in the 80s, believing we could affect the world 8 bits at a time. Armed with joysticks, full-stroke keyboards, jolt cola, and MTV haircuts, we proceeded into the vertical blank. There, we stayed up late at night, devising incantations from D&D rulebooks and beginners' all-purpose symbolic instruction code. Video games were the match, and programming was the fuse, as the infinite possibilities of the digital world exploded into the internet age to come. We are Generation Atari. Hey Jeff, how's it going? How's hey your, Steve, how's your life in uh, in a quarantine? I am, I'm well, I'm a quarantined, but I'm self because I work at home. We're self quarantined. Um, nobody's actually sick at the moment. Knock on wood. I have a little bit of a cough, tiny, tiny, tiny cough, but I've had that all week. I get it. Have I the anyway? Because I have a lung problem which doesn't bode well for no, any of it this. doesn't it doesn't bode well for any um of this. but i take all kinds of medications for it all the time so it's the same medications they would give me if i did get sick um but not like antibiotics or anything like that i, I have like inhalers and all kinds of great stuff so i am glad i work at home and i'm seriously happy that the children aren't going to school anymore so they can't community spread anything to me how about you steve yeah, I mean, they, they just closed all the schools down, like I think most of the USA. It's Friday the 13th, so I, I do think that this probably is the most appropriate Friday the 13th we've ever had, as that in, in, I can remember it anyway. Yes. Um, and I think uh, a lot of this time while we're at home, because we're now, my, my company is now completely uh, remote for the next at least two weeks, but they haven't really said how long it's going to be. Nobody knows how long it's going to be. I'm I'm hoping to be able to go find toilet paper later tonight, so that's one thing. We'll see. I, mean, I might need to wait a few days to get toilet paper. Like maybe, like I do expect to drive around the um, the streets tomorrow and see guys selling toilet paper out of the back of their vans. There's like people in Bakersfield that are doing that for selling a hundred dollars a roll. I uh, I have enough toilet paper, but I would like some more just in case. Uh, there are multiple options around here. I think people are going around and buying it and then reselling it. I think that that's horrifying. That's horrifying. Uh, that is, I think it's that horrifying is worse too. than buying Atari cartridges at the Goodwill and, and reselling them. It, like hoarding them and then reselling them for too, too much money. Exactly. Well, okay. This Almost. Is this is date. Almost as well, bad. we're in the middle of an apocalypse, really. No, I guess a pandemic. Yeah. So this may date the podcast, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. So, so here's what's um, funny. Okay. So so this is season three, episode one. So we're starting off the season with a two part episode called Atari's Biggest Mistake. So yes. part one is kind of about VCS Pac Man ET, but not about the games exactly. It's about some other, the other reason, the real reason why we think those games had such a big effect on Atari. And it's not necessarily that they were the worst games ever, because they're not. They're actually pretty, they're decent games. I actually sat down and played Pac-Man the other day, and I'm like, hey, you know what? Out of context, this isn't too bad. 
Yeah, if there never was a Pac-Man game in the arcade, it probably would have been a pretty decent, uh, I would say, not as good as Yar's Revenge, but a pretty yeah, decent, decent um, game. first-party title, like, unique title. Yeah. Right? It, it would have been okay. And E.T.'s kind of awful, but it's a kid's game, and, and, and if people knew it was just like a kid's game with the bear, like, nobody would have said anything. Um, but but in but that's you know from just looking at the games themselves as historically though they do have significance and in this first part which is a story we're just about to queue up we talk about what we think is the real significance of Atari VCS Pac-Man so why don't we go do that now queue it up. This is a story about Pac-Man, Electronic Games Magazine. And the exact moment that I figure Atari lost the video game war. It's disappointingly difficult to find anything positive to say about this game. Electronic Games Magazine. With those words, I believe, Electronic Games Magazine changed the course of video game journalism forever. The United States Constitution allows for a free and independent press because the framers believed this fourth estate was necessary for a democracy to flourish and grow. The role of a free and independent press should be the search for the truth. At the same time, it has also been said that democracy can't flourish without capitalism. In a free market capitalist system, the role of marketing is essential for companies to compete and make a profit for their shareholders. Marketing, by design, is not necessarily truthful. Marketing messages are designed to highlight the positive and downplay the negative of one's own interests while doing the opposite for competitors. However, what happens the day that said capitalist industry runs smack dab into the free and independent press searching for the truth? Part 1. Video Game Coverage Before Pac-Man To understand the impact of Electronic Games' review of VCS Pac-Man, I decided to examine video game coverage and reviews prior to May 11, 1982, the day that the Pac-Man review was published. My theory was that there was a distinct difference between the way games were covered before Pac-Man and the way games were covered after Pac-Man. In the before Pac-Man period of video game journalism, video games were treated more like enthusiast toys than a new entertainment medium. Electronic Games Magazine had only published three issues by that time. A previous column by Arnie Katz and Bill Kunkel, editors of Electronic Games, and Video Magazine named Arcade Alley, had been running for a couple years prior to that, and by examining those columns, I found a very interesting pattern. Most reviews in those publications were more more like, gee whiz, video games are sure cool than they were critical analysis. They focused more on the positive aspects of each game and how they compared to other games or, when appropriate, how they compared to their coin-operated arcade counterparts. Not only were the games for the Atari VCS breaking new ground in the pages of Video Magazine, but the writers of Arcade Alley were pulling double duty. They're trying to inform the readers about great new games and also make an argument for the existence of video games as a medium in the first place. Remember, this is one of the first places that had a regular column about video games published anywhere. Plus, Atari's early games might look poor in 2020 hindsight, but at the time of their release, 
they were pretty much groundbreaking. Here are some examples of how Arcade Alley reported on Atari VCS games and the positive spin they took on almost all of them. Quote, Adventure is a bold departure from the usual video game. It's one cartridge that every Atari owner will certainly want to add to his library. Arcaders who love driving games, or who've always wanted to become long-haul truckers, will be glued to the wheel for this home version of the longtime commercial favorite, Night Driver. As with the great single-player contests, Missile Command delights the senses and challenges the reflexes. Vivid graphics, including a color-changing background, help maintain involvement in the struggle to defend Earth's six cities. The verdict for Asteroids for the VCS system is fantastic. It boasts the most distinctive sound effects since Space Invaders, sharp graphics, and arcading action that never quits. And while obvious Atari VCS hits got good nods in the pages of Arcade Alley, so did some other games that you might not expect got good reviews. Superman. Superman ushers in an exciting new era for home arcades. One round will convince any player that always innovative Atari has done it again. Bowling is an enjoyable version of a sport that is perfectly suited to the video arcade format. Purists may claim that miniature golf doesn't faithfully imitate the real sport, but most arcade addicts would be having too good a time to care. Video chess is a game that even the lowliest pawn pushers should find rewarding for many hours of enjoyment. Atari Slot Racers has virtually nothing to do with either slot cars or racing of any kind, but ranks as the most important of the classic Labyrinth games. It's a fast-moving head-to-head thriller that requires quick thinking and even quicker manipulation of the joystick. Sports games have never been Atari's forte, but Championship Soccer more than makes amends for any previous weaknesses. It's hardly the ultimate soccer simulation, but this one's relentless action, its spare yet effective graphics, and the myriad of variations make it an outstanding team sports cartridge, end quote. Part 2, Electronic Games Magazine before the Pac-Man review. Along with Arcade Alley and early issues of Electronic Games Magazine, Atari's games received fairly good reviews. The winter 1981 of Electronic Games said Missile Command for the Atari 2600 represents the most successful conversion of a commercial arcade super game to the more limited confines of a home programmable system. They called Air Sea Battle for the 2600 an instant classic, and they said the breakthrough variation of Breakout for the 2600 could easily become an addiction. In the March 1982 issue of Electronic Games, the reviewers called Asteroids for the 2600 an astonishing success. And while they were lukewarm to video pinball, they ended the review by saying it would probably interest most video gamers. There were no reviews for first-party Atari games in the May 1982 issue of Electronic Games, which leads us up to the June issue, published May 12, 1982, and the all-important review of Pac-Man. Alongside the Pac-Man review, Electronic Games said of Super Breakout for the 2600 shines far brighter than any of its predecessors. So the stage was set. From the eye of the critical press, Atari had not disappointed yet. They had revolutionized the commercialization of video games and were, at the time, the fastest growing company in the history of the United States. They were the Nintendo of their day. All they had to do was deliver a decent version of VCS Pac-Man and their fortunes would be solidified for years to come. Part 3 
the development and release of Pac-Man. To say Atari hyped the release of Pac-Man does not do hype justice. Never before had a video game had such high expectations. The game was released April 3rd, 1982, on a day that Atari called Pac-Man Day, although many retailers like Sears began selling it weeks before. On Pac-Man Day, Atari held events in 25 cities to announce the release. It was the biggest event home video games had ever seen. It was also one of the first times a video game had an actual release date. However, not everything seemed right. The initial Atari TV commercials for the game didn't even show what it actually looked like. According to Atari Business is Fun by Marty Goldberg and Kurt Vendel, the game was designed by Todd Fry as his first game project for Atari. Development was not rushed, and Fry worked hard to get the VCS to produce a decent version of a Pac-Man-like game. The problem was limitations of the VCS, combined with the overall engineering talent left at Atari in 1981, meant that the pool of innovative engineering ideas was shallower than it had been a couple years before. Many of the best programmers had left or were planning to leave to form Activision and a magic among other third-party developers. Maybe VCS Pac-Man was a victim of Atari brain drain. Maybe if David Crane or Rob Fulop or Rick Maurer had been around to bounce ideas off of, the game would have turned out better. Maybe if the game was designed to use bank switching for more memory, or Fry was not given the requirement to create a two-player game, he would have had more resources to produce a more faithful version. VCS Pac-Man in and of itself is not a bad maze game. However, under the circumstances, as a version of the coin-op Pac-Man, released in 1982, at the same time Buckner and Garcia's Pac-Man fever was hitting the charts, among an unprecedented flurry of events, TV commercials, and marketing hype, arriving on Atari's flagship platform, it was a terrible game. Atari's Pac-Man day was a day that would live in infamy. Part 4. The Press Savaging of VCS Pac-Man Here's what the review from Electronic Games actually said. Alright folks, first the bad news about the most eagerly awaited video game of all time. Atari's VCS version of Pac-Man neither looks nor sounds anything like the coin-op original. The graphics are clunky and unsophisticated. There are no changing bonus items such as cherries, limes, or keys, but simply an orange square with a blue dot inside. And the sounds, except for an inappropriate metallic boing whenever the gobbler consumes a pill, are virtually non-existent. Joystick response on all game variations, but especially game one, is horrible. Getting the gobbler to drop down through an opening is an ordeal. The goblins blink constantly, making them difficult to see, and their eyes do not look in the direction they are seeing or traveling, but simply rotate through four positions. Now, what about the good news? Well, there's finally a gobble game available for the Atari VCS. Beyond that, it's disappointingly difficult to find anything positive to say about this game. Considering the anticipation and considerable time Atari designers had to work on it, it's astonishing to see a home version of a classic arcade contest so totally devoid of what gave the original its charm. There's none of the whimsy of the Namco Midway version, nor any of the delightful graphic elements. Even the famous Pac-Man theme is missing. The game looks suspiciously like a project where the creators were so afraid of not measuring up to their source of inspiration that they simply avoided any conflict. Editorial. Get that? What they meant to say was, they just made a different game. 
The only area where the games go head-to-head is the Gobbler himself, and here Atari's version makes the transition quite satisfactorily. As in the coin-op classic, players maneuver the hungry Pac-Man around a labyrinth, stocked with pills and patrolled by ravenous goblins. Unlike the coin-op version, the maze is a single line and the pills look like hyphens. The bonus thingy has a stationary value of 100 points. This Pac-Man is no pushover, however, and even top-flight gamers will have their hands full racking up many thousands of points. Patterns can be developed to a certain extent, but the whole play mechanic depends on the game variation chosen. On those games where the gobbler moves very fast, joystick control is improved, although still far from slick. In the final analysis, those Atarians who are desperate for a gobble game will find that this version fits the bill. Those arcaders who demand that home versions match their coin-op cousins will be seriously disappointed. And that's the end of the review. The review of VCS Pac-Man in the pages of Electronic Games Magazine was nothing short of shocking. Never before had I read such a scathing indictment of a video game. I was so used to reading reviews that told me how a game played and what to expect, but had very little in the way of criticism. Here was a totally different type of review. The review in Electronic Games Magazine showed disdain. It showed hurt. It showed disappointment. It was like Atari had let the whole video game industry down by not following through. The last line of the review said it all. Those arcaders who demand that home versions match their coin-op cousins will be seriously disappointed. Elsewhere, the press was just as critical. It was not until the June 1982 issue of Video Magazine and the review of Pac-Man that any Atari VCS game received an unfavorable review in that magazine either. Here's a quote. Unfortunately, those who cannot evaluate Pac-Man through a lover's eyes are likely to be disappointed. It is not quite what electronic game fans expect from Atari. End quote. That review is actually one of the nicer opinions. Other publications did not pull any punches. In the premier August 1982 issue of Video Games magazine, they described VCS Pac-Man this way. Anyone who buys Pac-Man because they love the arcade game with the same name, may wind up disappointed. Other than retaining the same basic concept, it bears few similarities to the real Pac-Man. End quote. The premier issue of Video Game Player from fall 1982 called Pac-Man like this, just awful. End quote. The point here is not that VCS Pac-Man was a bad game or that it got a bad review. It's that it represented a sea change in the way Atari VCS games were reviewed by the burgeoning video game press. No longer were enthusiasts and reviewers trying to argue for the inner life of their hobby. They were now looking at games critically and calling out the failures above successes. It didn't help that Atari's Pac-Man game was such an utter dog. The press had spoken and Atari's free ride was over. Part 5 Reviews of Atari VCS Games After Pac-Man After the release of Pac-Man for the VCS, the coverage of Atari 2600 games took a turn for, if not the worse, then at least more critical than the fanboy slavering they had received pre-VCS Pac-Man. While some games did get good notes, like Haunted House, Super Breakout, and Star Raiders, Atari no longer got a free pass when it came to reviews. For example, in 2019, Yars Revenge is considered a classic, but in the wake of the Pac-Man review, no Atari VCS game got a free pass. In the October 1982 issue of Electronic Games, it was called, quote, far too static, end quote, even though it was a play on the arcade game Star Castle and was arguably a deeper and more challenging experience than that game. Even when games received favorable reviews, oftentimes they were still compared to the missteps Atari made in the past. Game reviewers had been as shocked 
but the terrible quality of Pac-Man as game players. In the review for Defender in the November 82 issue, Electronic Games called back to both Pac-Man and Yara's Revenge to compare and contrast the relative success of their Defender cartridge. While praising Defender, Electronic Games made sure to remind people that VCS Pac-Man was tremendously disappointing. They also added insult to injury by reminding readers that Yar's Revenge was mediocre, which again, in hindsight, feels like Yar's Revenge got stuck in the negative coattails of ECS Pac-Man instead of being judged on its own merits. Even six months after the review of Pac-Man, in their mostly positive review of VCS Berserk from the January 1983 issue of Electronic Games, the magazine spent nearly one-third of the text trashing VCS Pac-Man and discussing how it made them nervous about maze games from Atari. Quote, When Atari announced plans to produce a home edition of the well-known Stern maze shootout Berserk, skepticism ran rampant throughout the electronic gaming world. The basic situation, an on-screen hero shoots at computer-directed robots as an arcader moves from room to room, sounded like it might be hard to reproduce given the limitations of the VCS hardware. Besides, Atari hadn't done such a masterful job on Pac-Man, its previous attempt to translate a prominent maze game for home screen play. Those disappointed by Pac-Man adopted an understandably cautious wait-and-see attitude towards Berserk. End quote. It seems that Pac-Man was such a monumental failure that even when Atari made a decent game like Berserk, they could not shake their first great failure as a video game company. This even extended to third parties, whose success only highlighted Atari's failures. In their positive review for Parker Brothers' version of Frogger from January 1983, the author could not help but allude to the VCS version of Pac-Man by writing about how difficult it must have been to translate games to the Atari VCS. Quote, translating popular coin-op video games into the home medium, particularly the VCS format, has proven one of the most formidable challenges of this decade. While some games have proven naturals for home translation, many have simply defied the programmer's best efforts to bring them to the 2600 screen. End quote. Furthermore, while the press was still reeling from the shocking problems of VCS Pac-Man, reviews for games from Activision and Imagic for the VCS consistently gained high praise. Electronic Games called Activision's Grand Prix spectacular, a visual triumph. Chopper Command, one of the most exciting cartridges you'll ever plug into the slot of your Atari VCS. Star Master, the type of video game that really has staying power. Mega Mania, Activision at its whimsical best, not to be missed. Pitfall, incredibly innovative, unquestionably recommended. And River Raid, one of the best blood and thunder blast-em-ups ever inserted into a VCS slot. They also declared a Magic's Demon Attack should be one of the best-selling video games of 1982, and Atlantis a magnificent video game. At the same time, rival systems from Coleco and Mattel were scoring some of the best reviews ever seen in the pages of a video game magazine. ColecoVision's Axon was called this, quote, Zaxxon is a cartridge that exhausts superlatives. It's that good. It is, at least at this time, the very best home video game cartridge in the land, end quote. They followed that review in the same issue with the review of Mattel's Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, calling it, quote, one of the finest action-adventure cartridges, end quote. In the next month's issue, the ColecoVision dominated the review cycle for two more games. Turbo was called as having, quote, the most peeper-popping graphics ever seen in a home video game, end quote. And Mousetrap, they said, quote, chalk up another winner for Coleco, end quote. 
I'm not suggesting that Electronic Games Magazine was biased towards newer systems or third-party publishers at the expense of Atari. The praise bestowed on Activision, Coleco, Magic, and Mattel, and many others was well-deserved. The home video game industry was moving forward, but Atari was stuck in 1983 with the six-year-old technology and their flagship platform. The newer Atari 5200 was not the instant success they desired. And they had the seemingly prevalent idea that marketing and hype could overcome the technical deficiencies of their platform. Nowhere was this more evident than with Atari's ET, the extraterrestrial cartridge. Reviewed with unfortunate synchronicity in the April 1983 issue of Electronic Games, right in between positive reviews for a selection of ColecoVision games. This is what they said, quote, E.T. Atari VCS. It's truly difficult to understand a game such as E.T. After splurging and reported $10 million to get the property and Steven Spielberg's cooperation, this game looks like it was turned out in about five weeks. The graphics are crude, the play mechanics are unlikely to captivate any but the youngest arcaders, and the entire project seems ill-conceived. End quote. As video game enthusiasts first, Electronic Games Magazine might have been biased towards newer systems or third-party publishers at the expense of Atari, but that was their right. They were preaching for the existence of video games as a hobby, not as a mouthpiece for the industry, and certainly not a mouthpiece for Atari. This was the job of the free and independent press, to keep the businessmen in check and vouch for the hobby as a whole while saluting artistry and moving the industry forward. Video game fans at the time, like myself, appreciated them for it. We might have started as Atari fans, but our eyes were open to new systems and games outside the Atari sphere. Much has been said about E.T. the Extraterrestrial for the VCS. Some call it the worst game ever made. Others blame it for the eventual Golden Age video game crash. I think that's giving it too much credit. If you are like me, a 13-year-old following the video game industry in the pages of magazines as if it was the most important thing in the world, E.T. was simply more of the same, especially from Atari. It was not a good game for many reasons. Overwhelming marketing hype, high cost of license, short development time. However, that was just indicative, at least in my mind, of Atari at the time. Electronic Games wrote the figurative shit sandwich of VCS reviews for E.T. by saying this, quote, Save your time and money. If E.T. does call home, please don't tell him about this. End quote. The E.T. game bookended nearly a year of bad reviews for the Atari VCS, while rival platforms were faring much better. Atari VCS games had gone from being innovative in the pages of Arcade Alley to being the butt of funny jokes in the pages of the industry press. By the spring of 1983, the zeitgeist had moved away from Atari, and they would never get it back. The message was overwhelming and clear. Atari had lost a step, and the rivals were beating them at their own game. This hit me really hard. To me, my favorite video game company had become an embarrassment. And as the owner of an Atari VCS to my video gaming friends, I'd become an embarrassment by association. For me, it was time to sell out. And I put plans in place to get a Vectrex console, which looked astonishing in the pages of Electronic Games Magazine. Part 5 a community of video gamers. Pac-Man Complaint Letter, September 1982, Electronic Games. Quote, a Pac-Man partisan speaks. Now you've done it. In the June issue of Electronic Games, you wrote a story about Atari Pac-Man. Insulted the owners of the cartridge in the programmable parade section. You gave excellent comments to every one of the cartridges throughout each story. However, the story on Pac-Man was full of put-downs. 
Have you ever thought that Atari's Pac-Man is the closest in audio and visually to the coin-op Pac-Man when compared to Texas Instruments Munchman or the Odyssey's KC Munchkin? The cartridge acts the same way as the arcade version as far as movement goes. The only difference is that Atari Pac-Man's face only faces from side to side. Response on the joystick is probably the best of all the Pac-Man imitations. If you can't say anything good about a cartridge, then don't say anything at all. John Guillamo, Trenton, Michigan. End quote. John, if you're out there ever listening, we'd like to hear from you. Anyway, this is what the editor of Electronic Games said back, which is probably Bill Kunkel, but could be Arnie Katz. Quote, Ed, I think that if you'll reread that article, John, you'll see that it says both positive and negative things about the cartridge. It is very important to distinguish between a reasoned, though negative, review and one which merely hurls unsupported barbs. Our critics detected some serious flaws in Atari's Pac-Man, and even while acknowledging that it is the best maze chase for the VCS, told the readers about them. Certainly, no insult was intended, either to Atari or owners of its system. No game is so good that it can't be improved. The editors of this magazine take strong exception to a closing comment. We feel it is our duty to report both the positive and negative aspects of everything. If our reviewers don't state their opinions honestly, how can readers trust their judgment when they praise a new cartridge? End quote. And that's the end of the letter in response. Atari VCS Pac-Man was unquestionably the best-selling game for the Atari VCS with 7 million units sold. E.T. was close, coming in at number 4 with 1.5 million units sold. There's no question that these games moved units, although both left a ton of manufactured and unsold inventory with 5 million unsold Pac-Man and untold scores of E.T. cards. However, this story is not about sales. It's about nuance and zeitgeist and the humble beginning of video game fandom and how it affected me as a pre-teenage kid smack dab in the middle of the golden age of video games. I mean, back then, I felt like I was part of something. I was in the 6th grade when VCS Pac-Man was released. The move from elementary school to junior high was harrowing at best. Friends were falling away like dead flies. Older kids on the cusp of adulthood were menacing at every turn. Simple and fun things like P.E., assemblies, and lunch became abject nightmares in junior high. In P.E., if someone left their locker open, coach would make us all march around the playground like recruits in basic training. Assemblies, no matter the subject, were overshadowed by who you sat with or around. Hardly anyone cared what was happening on stage, as it was the social atmosphere of the audience that mattered most and tended to wear us down. At snack and recess, the only activities were a hardcore version of handball played against the prison-like retaining walls of our tri-level school grounds, volleyball, which was reserved for only the strong, and hiding from the long-haired, bearded, 8th grade burnouts who felt the need to lock 6th graders in their lockers between smoking bowls and paging through the latest issue of High Times. It felt like there was nowhere to turn in 6th grade except maybe the pages of electronic games and my older mentors, Katz, Kunkel, and Whirly. In those pages, I found refuge. I poured through every page. Every month I received an issue. A different sense of reality hit me than what was happening at school or what Atari was trying to sell through its ads and marketing campaigns. My favorite section of the magazine were the ones with the letters from kids, seemingly just like me, who begged for a response from our editorial heroes. The pages of Reader Response and Game Doctor were my first touch point with, with a larger community of like-minded kids. I wrote the magazine at least a dozen times, hoping to read a response in the pages of the magazine. Bill Kunkel described the 
effect this way. Quote, I think it gave the readers a sense of community. It was the only way they could really interact with us and with one another. And Q&A was, at that point, the nexus for all fan information in the world of gaming. End quote. Part 6. Miss Pac-Man. About a year after the VCS Pac-Man review appeared in Electronic Games Magazine, they printed the following in July 1983. Quote, Miss Pac-Man is a great piece of work with all the appeal that gamers could want. End quote. Atari had finally done it. They put their minds to it and created a game that was, at the very least, an acceptable version of an arcade game. With their Atari 5200 console failing to light the world on fire and stiff competition posed by ColecoVision and its near arcade quality game ports, Atari had their back against the wall. Why was this game, VCS Miss Pac-Man, so much better than the VCS Pac-Man? Why? Well, Miss Pac-Man for the VCS included far more cartridge ROM 8K than Pac-Man and used bank switching, which allowed for greater visuals. This meant the game cost Atari more than other the cartridges, but it was worth the price. According to AtariProtos.com, Atari VCS Miss Pac-Man is programmed by Mike Horowitz and Josh Littlefield from GCC, the company that programmed the original Miss Pac-Man arcade game, first as an illegal mod to Pac-Man, and then as an official game for Midway. GCC would go on to design the Atari 7800 console and program the first set of impressive games for that system. If only Atari had made that decision a year earlier, then, possibly, they would not have seen their fortunes fall so quickly and so dramatically. I recall buying Miss Pac-Man only after reading this review in Electronic Games Magazine. In just a single year, I'd gone from blind consumer of Atari's marketing messages to consummate consumer who used the popular media as a guide for my entertainment purchases. I was very pleased with Miss Pac-Man. It remains as one of my all-time favorite Atari VCS game purchases. Playing Miss Pac-Man on the VCS elicited satisfaction that my old fascination with Atari was not wrong and that they could still make good games if they only put in the effort. It gave me hope that one day I could still work for Atari and make video games. Not too long after, I traded up to an Atari 800 computer and taught myself to program games in BASIC. Atari was still in my blood, and it's never left. Part 7. Too Little Too Late Atari's fortunes were not affected just because they released a crappy version of Pac-Man for the Atari VCS. The game is not the worst game ever, nor did it directly kill the company. However, their fortunes were affected because they released a crappy version of Pac-Man for the Atari VCS and, thanks to a newly established critical video game press, the new community of video gamers, like the ones in the letters section of Electronic Games Magazine, had the chance to know about it before they bought it and converse about it afterwards. A seemingly small detail, but a significant change that led to a whole new way Atari was covered in the press. While some Atari VCS games did receive positive notes after Pac-Man, the damage was done. In the pages of video game magazines after Electronic Games' Pac-Man review was published, there was a general feeling of disappointment and discouragement with Atari products that still exist to this day. Even though Atari managed to gain back some respectability with solid versions of games like Miss Pac-Man, the damage was done. In less than a year, the zeitgeist moved away from Atari and toward other platforms and companies. Miss Pac-Man, however good, was too little too late. And that's why May 11th, 1982, the day that Electronic Games first reviewed Atari VCS Pac-Man in the pages of their magazine, will live as the day that Atari lost the video game war. Part 8. 
Along with Pac-Man Day, Atari's marketing for the Atari VCS version of Pac-Man was odd, to say the least. In this next section, we discuss some of the more interesting marketing items that came out when Atari first released Pac-Man. Hey, Jeff. Um, you know, back when Atari made Pac-Man for the VCS, uh, they made they made a, a the first commercial was fascinating because it showed nothing of the game, and I wanted to play that for you and, and get some comments about it. I wonder why they would not show any of the games. Do I don't you? know. I don't know. But but here I want to share it with you, and let's see if you uh, if you think that um, it's interesting or not. Ready? I'm gonna play. First the Pac-Man eats through a maze of dots. What the are they showing? The yeah, it's, it, it's not the game. It's, it's a drawn version. Yeah. It's a completely hand-drawn version of Pac-Man. It's a, it's a cartoon version of Pac-Man. And even with, with like a still picture of... It's like storyboards. They showed storyboards. Yeah, I don't know if that is actual commercial on TV or not, but it is so indicative. Let's let's just let it go again. It is so indicative of how uh, how much um, disdain Atari marketing had for the actual product that they were making. They must have, because this is this actually is like false advertising. It is, <laughs> or or um, because the kids are drawn two in their static this has got to be it looks like a storyboard to me really so that commercial is just indicative of atari's marketing before pac-man day just completely of the problems awful. let's just it's indicative of the problem and you know what else you know what's else is interesting jeff there was an interview with uh pac-man in the first issue of atari age magazine and i think we had a big discussion about that oh there was hold on let me cue that up. In the first issue of Atari Age, which came out after Electronic Games, but kind of in like early 1982, um, if you're in a if you got your Atari VCS, I can't remember exactly where, but you could sign up for Atari Age, which was their basically fan club magazine. It was exciting. Too. It was, oh my god, it was exciting. Was it exciting to get the first issue of that or what? Really exciting. Okay, when they were marketing for Pac-Man in that first issue. They had an interview with Pac-Man. Which one of us should be Pac-Man? Let me throw out my. It's a, it's a, one of us is Atari, and one of us is Pac-Man. Who, well, let's let's do our Pac-Man voices first. My Pac-Man voice. Hi, hi I'm Pac-Man. Okay, uh, what about yours? Hello, I'm Pac-Man. Okay, I like yours way better. Okay, okay, I'm Atari. I'm going to be as serious as I can, and you be Pac-Man. Okay. okay, here's the interview from Atari Age issue number one, page I don't know two or something. Pac-Man, in this exclusive interview, today's hottest video star, not even video game star, just, vi just video, video star, star, hottest video star reveals how sudden fame has changed his life. I'm sure lots of our younger readers would like to grow up to be video stars like yourself. Did you have any special training or prepare for the work you do? I had what you'd call a well-rounded education. I was involved in high school dramatics. 
I played the lead in Central High's production of Men of La Muncher. Get that. Say that again. Men of La Muncher. I played the lead in Central High's production of Men of La Muncher. See, I did more acting in college, mostly theater in the round productions. <laughs> I didn't neglect my studies, though. In fact, I graduated Sphera Cum Laude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Instead of dad jokes and puns. Okay. 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 Hold on. I didn't know that was coming. I didn't know that was coming. We haven't read any of this. Okay. And how did you get into show business? Frankly, it was rough for a, excuse me. Frankly, it was rough for a while there. I worked as a ball in those follow the bouncing ball musical films. Then when those went out of style, I got a job as a host on a new television show called Celebrity Grapefruit. You may have missed it. We were canceled early in the season. After that, I had nothing to fall back on but residuals from some stunt work I did in an enzyme detergent commercial. That is, until the game thing came along. <laughs> did, did, Nam, did, did Namco sign off no on way. that? No, no way. No way. I think they're talking about, I guess it must be the dude. It's the picture. It's the editor of. I mean, they're trying to make something funny. There's no byline for this, by no. the way. It's just the editors of Atari Age. It was of, like, what can we add? Add at the last minute. It's just like, minute. what is what filler content? This magazine only had like 20 pages, and this is takes up one of them. <laughs> Imagine being a kid like you were and hoping for this magazine Atari, and one of the 20 only 20 pages you get is this. Anyway, we'll continue. Atari Age, Pac-Man. We don't want to pry into your personal life. But we understand, but we, wait, sorry, Pac-Man, we don't want to pry into your personal life, but we understand you have a new girlfriend. Isn't it amazing how those rumors start? Let's set the record straight once and for all. There is a new arcade game with a lady Pac-Man, and they tell me she's real cute. Not really cute. <laughs> real cute. Long eyelashes, a bow in her hair, and curves in all the right places. This is so but, 70s. <laughs> but I've never heard, but I've hardly met the lady. I've been so busy lately, you know, personal appearances on the National Pac-Man Day, working... Oh my God, they name-dropped National Pac-Man Day. Personal appearances on National Pac-Man Day, working on my nightclub act. This must have come after National Pac-Man This is what came... And it's this dude in the suit. Okay, I don't know. There is a picture of a dude in the suit I mean, it's here. not the dude in the suit, but it's the pretending that it's the dude in the suit. What kind of act... Okay, hold on, hold on. This is Atari. What kind of act? Ballroom dancing? No, actually, I'm getting a chance to sing. I do a song and dance number to rock and roll classic, Leader of the Pack. <laughs> and audiences love our version of that old country and western song, Ghost Biters in the Sky. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay, hold on. Okay, I'll continue. Atari Age. Sounds great. Any other projects in the works? I'm just putting the finishing touches on my autobiography. It's called A Dot's Life. And I'm very excited about a special appearance my agent is working on at the World Series. Oh, no. You know how every year they have oh, no. 
different celebrities throughout the first ball of the World Series? Well, if everything goes right, I'll be the first celebrity ever to be the ball of the World Series. It would be a heck of an honor. Oh. <laughs> I knew that was coming, but I can't believe they did it. <laughs> Sounds like you're a real baseball fan. Tell me, Pac-Man, who's your favorite player? Oh, I want to read this. <laughs> well, well, I'm very impressed watching the new pitcher, Fernando Valenzuela. But my all-time favorite would be Willie Maze. M-A-Z-E, Willie. M-A-Z-E. Oh, God, the buds are all right, hold on, continue. Pac-Man, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Before you go, do you have any special message for our game-playing readers out there? I'd like to thank them for supporting my game. You know, a lot of people didn't think I had a ghost of a chance in the video game business. After all, I don't explode or shoot or crash or anything like that. But you folks have made this mellow yellow fellow the chomping champion of the world. And I appreciate that. <laughs> wow, man. Uh, so I was going to point out again. Okay, so this magazine had ten pages. And one of those pages was that. Was that. Steve? That was a word find, too. Hold on. I, this... So this is the this is like this, almost like this magazine came out as like the Atari's first real marketing for for Pac-Man. Wow. Oh my lord! Like like with the from ex, from the uh, expect. Oh yeah, the last page is, is a, a word is find. A word find. But but what like not even a mention of the game anywhere. I mean, this is this is the first communique. For people to tell them about when Pac-Man, did this come out? obviously it's after Pac-Man Day or Pac-Man Day, but it's it's a, maybe March or April, okay, or May of. of two, but they of didn't mention. Did, did they mention that the cartridge was out yet? They must have, right? The first page of Atari, they must have thought that was. That was that's the first with terrible dad joke. Volume June May June nineteen eighty two. Volume one number one, which of course means it came out in like April or May or something. So. um... Pac-Man had just come out that January. It just came out, and then, so Pac-Man comes out, and then this is the first thing that people see is that Pac-Man interview and nothing else. And then it is kind of funny, but, like, yeah. you can see some of the ways that, like, like the, the market time did not take video games as seriously as fans would. Like, imagine if people were making, like, people take this stuff so seriously, and they're just making fun of it. It, it was the wrong, the wrong attitude to take towards it. So yeah, so that was their Tari's initial marketing, and take that Pac-Man interview, and then put it up against the media blitz that came out to, to say that Pac-Man was just not the game people wanted it to be. There's no way they could combat that. No, not even close. They were, they were, they were. Um, Warner just was not ready for what was going. No, happen. they were. Atari was outclassed. They were outclassed. Okay, Jeff. So after all that, what do you think? Are we are we onto something here? Did was it was it the media? Was it Atari's? Was was Atari's biggest mistake the fact that they released a game at the same time? Emerging media was for video games being created, and they couldn't control the message anymore. Because we did we did you know play that that Pac Man 
commercial and we talked about Which the Atari was... Age interview and and they're like things that like they tried to control the message but it yeah. just was not so it just did not work. so we had two good examples of them trying to control the message and they had a willing media before that that was just hungry up until you know middle of 1980 end of 1981 hungry for any video game content right and and video game magazines had just come out and they were through all of the all the pre-reviews they had written and they were and pac-man came out at a time when they were ready to do some real reviews, and yeah, like, boy, did they, they, they put out the off, wrong product. They had burnt off the all time. the reviews that they had already saved up. Yeah, they burnt off all the pre, like, hey, this is great, you know, this such and such, and you and and everybody's waiting for these brand new things because they've seen the VCS do some pretty interesting stuff, and then out comes just, I'm not going to say trash because. Some people would call it that. I don't like calling things trash, especially you know after reading, doing a lot of research on Todd Fry. I feel really bad for him. He did the best he possibly could with the with what he had at the at the time, but um, and his quotes are kind of sad, you know. That but it just wasn't a good game compared to what people were expecting, and that got really got which would have got really poor reviews. And yeah, and, and was, David L. Craddock's Arcade Perfect book book. There's a oh, good, Arcade Perfect, right? Good explanation yeah. of. Of that, and and right. I don't want to get have... down to those guys for their for the games that they program. Programming Tarvius was was really hard, you know. But yeah. but the thing is, it wasn't just about programming and making the game. It was it's the whole package. It's what you it's who decides what you're going to make. Who's right. gonna, how much time you got? How it's going to be marketed? You know what are they? How what are they going to pay for? Like there's so much. How many resources in. you put on it? Yeah, it's more than how, just what resources you put on it. Yeah, totally. It's more. Why than, why didn't you pull someone from the Atari 800? team who knew who was making great games at the time i don't i'm just saying like i don't know what those answers are i'm just saying they they had game designers and game programmers they could have put on a team to make if they were really cared about the content they they got what they got what they got right like it wasn't a priority the game people will buy this no matter what was probably the feeling yeah right? but you and, were, so, and i remember so i remember uh, a couple things i remember one of our friends got it and I think they brought the box there, and we sat down. We read through the instructions at junior high school. We're like twelve years old. And first of all, this is junior high in 1982. I want to stress, it's not a safe place to be reading about video games. In, in no, at least I'm in our bringing a manual high. to read about video. No, games. no, no. This is not. Both you're 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 setting yourself up for a, a, a life of horror by doing this. But being trash, basically being trash can. Yeah, I mean, this is. It's. I mean, all those 80s movies. Where they show like the bullies and stuff, like it's not it, it, things weren't that cartoonish, but they were that bad. <laughs> At least no, where they, they lived. <laughs> so you're reading. Yeah, they this, weren't cartoonish, and we're reading about goblins and vitamin pills, and we're like, "What is this?" And and I think I think the case is we had we really didn't have a great idea about what the Atari VCS was capable of, and when you look at the other arcade ports that came before, when you look at uh, Missile Command. You know, it's a pretty decent version of Miss- Missile Command. You know, it's not exactly like the arcade game, but it plays the game pretty yeah. well. And you look no at, flicker. No, and you look at Asteroids. While Asteroids is different, you're like, oh well, it's a, it's not a vector game. So you know, it's it's. Uh, it's I don't call bad. it a flickering mess, even though there's lots of rocks on the screen. And and you look at Space Invaders. And Space Invaders doesn't look like Space Invaders, but it certainly plays Space Invaders. Like it's like it's not the it's not exactly like the arcade game at all. But it's it, you know yeah, it has, the funny thing about that the 
there's no reason why it couldn't have looked almost exactly the same. No, but but there's like a million variations and it's all fun. And so those are our, our introduction to what uh, arcade you know, conversion would be came from those things. So I think the expectation was that it would be closer to what the actual game was. And I think even, you know, honestly, the flickering wasn't even that big of a problem. If they had made a, a cherries to eat instead of a vitamin pill, and if they were able to make the Pac-Man turn the, the direction that he was facing, I swear it would have been a thousand times better. Did you Storage did you research? Was that a was that a two or four K game? It's a four K cartridge. Okay. So it, it, there was a, it was a four K cartridge, and you needed you needed sixteen more uh, bit bytes of RAM to be able to show up and down. That could have been squeezed into the cartridge. Yeah, but if they didn't need a two-player game, maybe it would have, right? So, so that was the idea. Like there were there were things that needed to be things yes. that they were f- forced to put in that could have made the game better. Um, but this has been talked about a million times. I, I think that that our point is not that at all. It's just yeah, that the release of that game came at such an inopportune time or opportune, <clears throat> depending how you feel about it because at the same time the 5200 the ColecoVision, all these next generation systems were being were being advertised as well but here's the thing and i mentioned the 5200 i think there is a second part to this story and it has there to do is. with not with the pac-man game that we're talking about now but the pac-man game that this could have been and in part two we're going and to go probably in, should have been. Probably should have been. And part two, we're going to go in depth on why this was an even bigger mistake than just Atari releasing a game when uh, the new media was able to review it. And the mistake started in 1978. Yep. So, um, again, uh, be, keep yourself safe out there, everybody, especially you, Jeff, and everybody else, as we try to figure out what is going on in the next days and weeks ahead we decided to get a podcast out there because we we're going to give people something to listen to well they're sitting around we got another one on. on the heels of this one coming out too same week. dan kitchen is is wants to do an interview and i really want to interview dan kitchen because dan kitchen i remember me seeing gary and dan's names in the activision catalog and since they were brothers i kept thinking oh my god they're brothers we're brothers we could be the kitchen brothers and i really want to right do, and really i think that, uh, that's on the heels that's coming up soon yeah too. but that's and after that the next one do. so okay let's um let's end this now and we will have part two soon data, V blank ending.
an 8-Bit Rocket Studios production.